1: Today, we're talking to Leslie Stevenson, a lieutenant commander in the Navy JAG Corps. And Leslie has made the decision to leave the Navy JAG Corps. So Leslie, welcome. Thank you. So what's going on? You've been in for what, seven or eight years? No, nine years.
0: Yeah, so I commissioned in 2011 while I was still in law school in Brooklyn, spent a year on the IRR and then got out, went straight into the JAG corps, so December of this year
1: will be 10 years active duty. And what have you done during those 10 years?
0: So I started in obviously the normal training route, the BLC corps in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, and then I went down to Norfolk for my first tour. So I was one of the first group of official 1st tour judge advocate personnel. I know we're calling it something different now, but up until maybe six months ago, it was the 1st tour judge advocate rotation program, FTJAs. So I did six months in trial, six months in legal assistance. Then I switched over to the DSO office in Norfolk for six months and then came back to the RILSO and did six months with command services, or was supposed to anyway, because I actually punched out from RILSO Midland about two, one to two months early and went out to Diego Garcia and started my, what would be a 14 month tour in Diego Garcia, left the Island a few times only for a short weekend and then two weeks of leave, but was otherwise there for 14 months, probably my best tour in the Navy. And then after Diego Garcia, I went to the USS Nimitz, which was not necessarily by choice, but yeah. So I actually had turned in a detailing preference list to the detailer at the time, by detailing lists towards him at the JAG Corps Symposium. And he didn't even look at it and said, you're going to a carrier. And I said, but that's not on my list. And he said, but you're going to a carrier. And I said, okay. So I redid my list to include carriers and then went to the Nimitz. It was not a high morale tour. I think if you ask anyone who was there for the 2017 deployment, we were, I like to call it a COVID style deployment before COVID was a thing. We had Two port calls that were actual port calls, Bahrain and Dubai, where we could actually pull the carrier in. And we were supposed to have Chennai, India, and Sri Lanka, but Chennai got cut short because there were kind of pickups with getting the contractor set up to have our everything we needed for a carrier to anchor. And of course, the weather in that area leads to high seas, Liberty launches run by people who were a construction worker the day before and got picked up to run a Liberty launch by the contractor that morning doesn't go so well in 10-foot seas. So a lot of the Liberty launches were canceled. So we don't really count that as a poor call.
1: I'm actually kind of surprised because back in my day, mm-hmm. going to a carrier was, you fought over it. I served as a number two on enterprise. And then the JAG Corps made the decision that LDOs would serve the number two jobs. And they did that until they decided, well, we're going to get rid of the LDO community. So now it's back to lawyers. But way back when, going to C used to be viewed as career enhancing. Has things changed that much? It's
0: not. It's still considered career enhancing. It's just, I knew I was coming off of a 14 month tour in Diego Garcia. And I knew that I was going to have been gone from home for a really long time. I knew that I wanted to be stateside or in one place. I think the next tour after the Nimitz, I told the detailer, I just want to be home. And I define home as where my belongings are. (laughs) It's not a physical location. It's just I want to be in a physical location with my stuff and specifically my dog who is sitting next to me on the couch right now. So it's not that I didn't really want to go to see and overall, I learned a ton from being on that tour. You know, it has really made me the JAG and the leader that I am now. And I learned a lot. But at the time that they were detailing me, that was not necessarily what I wanted to do, knowing that I was coming off 14 months in a very remote location. Sure. Okay. Um, I got it. Yeah. So I went to the Nimitz and had a, a pretty grueling two years. Coming off of that, when I told them I wanted to go home where my stuff is, They told me I needed to go to a NILS billet at that point. So they actually sent me to NJS, but they sent me to the detachment in San Diego. I spent my three years there teaching the legal officer class basically every month. And then we did the senior leader legal course, which is a three-day course for 05s and 06s who are taking command from the the line community, Mm -hmm. as well as people who are taking the CMC billets. And then we also taught the SJA course out there. Spent my three years there the last year and a half of which was during COVID. So we were teaching from home, which was an interesting experience. They became very proficient with Zoom and with Blackboard. (laughs) So I didn't make 04 the first time around. God love Alaric Piet, Jim Howland, and Clayton McCarl for their humor. The four of us sort of formed a little chat group because the four of us did not make it our first round. So we sort of kept each other sane and made sure that we had everything we needed to go to 04 board the next round. We all thankfully made it for the second round. And then from there, I was able to promote and take the current job that I have, which is legal assistance department head up in the Pacific Northwest at Wilson Northwest.
1: And you've decided to leave the JAG Corps. And what are you going to do?
0: I did. I am punching out and I, I guess I'm punching the, a little bit harder than most because I'm doing a complete 180 on my career. I'm actually planning on going to school for art and design and getting out, taking what will inevitably be a very large pay cut. <laughs> to go be probably initially it'll be a graphic designer job, but then the ultimate aim is to be an art director, which is similar to a creative director, but the creative director has to do more of the salesmanship. So if it's an advertising agency, for example, they're the ones kind of selling the client on the idea of what the project will look like and what the vision is. Whereas the art director is the one sort of in charge of making sure that that vision happens and helping develop the vision. Does that
1: require you to go to school?
0: So most of the jobs do require that you have at least a bachelor's in art or design. Technically, I guess you could get into it just from taking certifications and outside classes and having kind of inherent skills in it. But I don't have any of the experience doing those things. So it is a little bit harder for me to just kind of break into that field without any sort of background. So I'm kind of hoping that going to school, learning the foundations of design, I have some sort of background in fine art already and drawing and painting, but... I don't really have a background in design. I know I enjoy parts of design, but I don't know anything formally about it. So going back to school, plus I have the GI Bill and no kids to transfer to. So might as well take advantage of that, go learn all that stuff, and then get the job once I go back to school. That's the plan. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. I'm clearly still in the middle of going through that plan, but that is what the plan is.
1: So the immediately with the GI Bill, you're kind of taken care of. You're going to get the monthly housing allowance. You're going to have all or most of the school paid for, but you're essentially going to be branching out in something completely different, which you have no network really whatsoever.
0: Correct. Which is a little terrifying. I actually just went through the three-day top class, the first day of which is probably the most terrifying, where they throw probably three days worth of information at you in the course of one day. And one of the first things they made us do during the financial class was to calculate how much our salary is currently worth if it translated to the outside. Now, when they do that, they don't take into account the fact that we don't pay for health insurance. Right. That's a separate lesson on how bad the health insurance costs are on the outside. So first they made us calculate our salary. Then later they made us look at all the health care plans for the area where we want to move to. And I realized very quickly that the good plans are very very expensive. So in order to pay for them, my salary would technically need to be even higher. And then I looked at the salary of the field that I'm going into and realized that if I am at the top of my field as an art director, I am still taking a $40,000 pay cut roughly from what I'm currently making. So that was a little bit of a knife to the stomach and a little bit nerve-wracking to see. There's a a worksheet that they have you fill out and one of the questions is is this enough to meet your needs and I literally had to write the words, I will make it work because I'm just going to have to make adjustments. And I think every time I've sort of said this and tried to think about that salary difference, yes, I'll make it work. Yes. It's going to take some changes, but I think that overall I will be happier doing that job than continuing in the Navy. And as great as my experience has been, there are aspects to it that are just not going to work with my life going forward. And I think it would make me happier to have the new job at a pay cut versus staying in the Navy.
1: So three points. First, they usually describe artists as starving artists. Yep. Two, artists usually become more renowned after they're dead. So you still don't get any more money for it. But listening to a book called Switchers, which is about people switching careers, the part that resonated with me yesterday, and I think you're already on that, is if you have a plan B, that means you really don't have a plan A. In the sense that you will, if you have a plan B already, you're only going to throw 75% of your effort into your plan A because you're hedging your bets. And it's really not a plan A at that point. So the courage to, to do that. And, and I guess the good thing is, is that you will have three year or two or three years, whatever the school is, to start trying to build that network anew. Yeah. Anew. Who knows? Maybe you can combine art design with law. I don't know. Maybe you're going to get rid of your license altogether.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I probably will put my license into retirement, like into a a retirement status since I won't be practicing law for at least three years. Although, as my mother points out, there are lots of kind of freelance type of legal jobs in Seattle where you can, you know, take depositions or review documents or whatever. So maybe keeping it through school and just paying my way through school for living expenses, doing that would be helpful. But my intent is to put it into kind of a retirement status so that I I don't have to like pay dues and et cetera. In terms of building the network, I've sort of tried to start doing that already. If you have LinkedIn premium, which is free for military and they say it's only for 12 months, but I discovered that if you just go in and re-verify yourself, they just give it to you for 12 more months. The other alternative is you contact customer service and they extend it again. So it's really more than 12 months of free service for military. So you can actually, when you go to schools, you can click on their alumni, even if you're not looking to go back to school, you can go in, you can look at their alumni and find somebody who has a job that looks interesting to you and just cold contact them. Sometimes they're responsive. I reached out to one person who had gone to the school and I asked if I could talk to them about their experience at the school and kind of what their career path was. And they pretty rapidly emailed, well, I didn't. I graduated in 2010. School's probably changed a lot. You probably want to find someone who graduated more recently, which didn't really seem like they were receptive to talking about their career path. So right. that's not the best person for me to go talk to. But there are a million other people who graduated from that school, have career paths. Even if it's a school you're not looking at, you find a career path in like somebody who lives in your area or the area you're trying to move to who's in that career path and cold contact them and ask them questions about their career, about how they got into their career or what the path was, any skills that they recommend you building up, anything like that has been helpful as I've been kind of exploring what aspect of design I wanted to get into because I've been sort of trying with this idea for a while. I did contact other people and they were super helpful answered questions via LinkedIn and were willing to do calls if I wanted to. So that's been super helpful having the premium. If you don't have the premium, you can't contact people unless you're a contact of theirs. So it's a little harder, but you definitely are able to cold contact people if, if you have the premium
1: account. Leslie, you already kind of alluded to that. You have no spouse, you have no kids, you do have a dog for which you're responsible. Yes. So you're still young enough to be willing to take chances. Great. Yeah,
0: I guess. Kind of going to your point of it's not really a plan A if you have a plan B. I don't really have a plan B per se, but the fact that I have a law degree is always sort of a fallback. There's another podcast that's essentially for recovering lawyers, for people who want to get out of the field. And I was listening to one of the episodes with... Uh, somebody who actually got out of the law and never really understood how she really got into the law in the first place. It was sort of by accident through a panic, got into the law and kind of wrestled with that the whole time and never really fully committed to anything. And she ended up getting out to be a jewelry designer. So a very similar path of like, was in the law, but always wanted to do something else or had other interests. So I was listening to hers and she said, you know, the fact that I had the law degree and if the design business failed, I could always go back to being a lawyer. It's not like I lost the the law degree. I think that while that does make it sort of a plan B, I know that's not what I want to do. I don't want to fall back on that, but it does allow me to take that risk of hey, can I take this risk? See if it works out. If it works out, great. If it doesn't and it fails miserably and, you know, I don't work out as an art director, I don't work out as a graphic designer, it just doesn't work and I can't live on that salary whatever the case may be, then I can go pick up a law job. I can go reapply.
1: You shared with me a little bit before we went on about the decision to do this, but at what point did you know that you were going to pull the ejection handle? You know, did you struggle with that decision and how did you arrive at, yes, I'm going to go down this path?
0: Yeah, what I shared with you before is since I didn't make go 4 the first time around, I had to go up for a second board. And at the time that I was going up for my second board, there wasn't a continuation board. They ended up switching that. So there was this risk that if I didn't pick up for 04 the second time, I would be out of the Navy and out of a job in six months after they told me. So there was sort of a a mass panic to kind of get my affairs in order in case I needed to leave. But figured if that was the case and I was looking at a six-month turnaround, I'd just get a law job until I figured out what exactly I wanted to do with my time. But it did sort of cue me into thinking about what do I want to do with my life after the Navy? So I took a LinkedIn masterclass that my college had offered. And the woman who was teaching it was a career coach out of Rhode Island. So I ended up linking up with her. I sort of described myself as a lost puppy dog to her who like had no direction and no idea what I wanted to do when I got out because I didn't think it was law. That's as far as I had gotten in the, the thought. And so she sort of helped me explore through doing, you know, personality tests and interests tests and a whole bunch of other stuff, sort of explore what my career path might look like and what options I might want to do after the Navy. So I started working with her somewhere in the middle of COVID, actually. So while I was at NJS, so not this tour, but the tour before. So I started working with her, kind of thinking about what that might look like. And I also, during COVID, started having a couple more, like a couple of health issues, injuries, and overall health and wellness concerns that are not really conducive to staying in the Navy. And I I guess I'm pretty candid with everybody else who asked me, I developed some very disordered eating habits from having to deal with the six month weigh-ins. I'm not, people who know me and have seen me, I'm not like naturally a thin person, but I used to run a ton, but I started lifting weights as well. And so now I was putting on weight that I couldn't then make the weight. So now I was having to make the tape. So now I'm worrying about how skinny I am. And so now I was eating like 1200 calories a day and working out for two hours a day which is not a healthy lifestyle. If you are out there and you're doing that, please stop. Um, So that is my little PSA on that. So I not only started working with the career coach, I started working with a therapist and a registered dietitian to sort of work past these issues. But I also have a shoulder injury and a leg injury. The leg injury stopped me from being able to run. I'm having surgery on it next week. All those things sort of factored into my decision of like, this is not a long-term feasible plan for me. Potentially I might be either forced out by the military because, and it turns out I am actually at this point for three waivers and four years for my shoulder eligible for a medical evaluation board. So my plan to separate and drop my resignation might turn into a a medical evaluation (laughs) separation instead. I'm not at this point sure. So it kind of all factored into, I need to start assessing what the next phase of my life looks like. So in doing so, I sort of worked through that, but I was probably at like 99% sure that I am going to, you know, eject after this tour that I'm in currently when I took this tour. I fought to get to Washington. I'd been here when I was on the Nimitz. I loved the area, but I was barely ever here because we were out to sea. So I really wanted to come back to this area, make sure that this is, you know, where I wanted to be, that I loved it as much as I thought I did and really kind of fought to get orders up to this area so that I could really explore the area and try to start settling into a life up here, knowing that there was a strong chance that after this tour, I was punching out.
1: When do you foresee your exit date being?
0: So assuming they don't medically separate me, the plan is to drop my resignation in September and then get out in time for school in September of 2023, which is a full year. And I did tell the detailers early I talked to a couple mentors who had said, you know, wait as long as you can to tell people that you're leaving. And I really felt like, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whenever it was that I told the detailer, was sort of the latest I could do it because I needed to get my billet put on the rollers list so that they could get a replacement in. And it didn't turn out to be that my billet was a hot fill because that doesn't go as well. So I wanted to get my billet onto the list. So I did tell the detailers already. I kind of gave them the heads up that I was leaving for the instruction you can give an LOI. That like a letter of intent that you're getting out before you drop your resignation in the event that timing is important. So I called them, they said, nope, verbal's fine. My intent is to drop the resignation in September. And then hopefully my replacement gets there next summer time frame and I can do skill bridge until school starts essentially.
1: Have you uh, considered like VetterRI or somewhere, one of those programs that you get a mentor, or have you looked into it to find that? It- Really, what you're wanting to get into, they really don't offer a mentor.
0: Yeah, I I just found out about a better, a veterari or better RE. I don't
1: or something know like that. Yeah,
0: is. yeah. So I did the three days of taps, and then yesterday I ended up going over to the USO. The USO actually has a transition program as well, and they have Coursera certification classes that you can take. Their three month long certification classes. They've got a whole bunch of workshops, master classes on LinkedIn job finding programs. They have a program called, I can't remember what it's called offhand, but it's a program where they set you up with a photographer to take headshots for free, like professional headshots. So you're not using your military headshots. just saw
1: that today. Portraits for Patriots.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. So Portraits for Patriots, but you need to get the referral through the USO And then for women, there's a program called Dress for Success that U.S. partners with. The USO person does like a whole bunch of intakes on your size, your measurements, your style choices, what field you're going into. And they actually will set you up with a Dress for Success location in your area. And usually the office is in a mall. And if it's not during COVID times, they actually send you over there and they do a whole styling for you. And you walk away with a full outfit, including all the accessories. So shoes, purses, jewelry, blazers, suits, shirts, everything, jacket, and it's free. And they give you one. And then once you kind of have a job and you're further into your transition, the USO can refer you back for free, apparently. So you basically get your whole wardrobe for free, which sounds like a great plan for me. Like who doesn't want free clothes? And unfortunately, it's not available for males, I guess. But for women, Lord knows, business clothes are expensive. So, you know, having that additional help is great because I don't own a suit anymore. (laughs) Like, I haven't owned a suit in years because, you know, I wear military clothes or, you know, sweatpants half the time if I'm not in uniform. So it's not something that I've sort of planned to spend money on in the last 10 years. So having somebody do that for me is fabulous.
1: So I just learned about Veterari about three weeks ago when I interviewed a guy. I've heard about hiring for heroes. I didn't look into that. I have looked into four block, which I'm supposed to go through their fall cohort. That's part of this podcast is to learn what's out there for transitioning veterans. So whether you intended that or not, you've even just contributed to some uh, older folks about Some options out there, which is great.
0: Yeah. And the USO is available for active duty reservists. They say reservists and national guard, like the national guard, isn't the army and air force version of the reserves. And then all of the mill spouse can also use it. So just for success is available for military spouses as well. So um, So how
1: how have you felt since you've made this decision and put it in an execution phase? You feel like a weight's been lifted?
0: Yeah. To a large degree. I mean, there's sort of a new weight having gone through TAPS and having them cause the panic of the finances side of things. You know, there's still a lot of hurdles to jump through, like art school requires a portfolio. And, you know, I haven't really had time in the last 10 years to really do art in the way that I would like to. So I do have to sort of build a portfolio. So there there are a lot of hurdles to jump through. And so there's sort of now new pressures to this path, but it is sort of a weight that's been lifted to say, no, like, this is what I'm doing. I'm getting out and, you know, I know what I'm doing now. So that's been great.
1: What other recommendations do you make? Do you have any other thoughts of people? I don't want to say following your dreams because following your dreams is sort of a, I think misguided, but finding what you really think you're interested in doing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think figuring out what your priorities are. So for me, having a job where i can really have time and focus on mental health and health and well-being and myself and actually sleep more than 5 hours a night is great. That was a priority for me is something that focused that was a better focus for me and better in line with my health and wellness values. And figuring out what your priorities are in terms of You know, do you want to be sedentary all day? Do you want to be outside for your job? Do you want to be doing something that's more manual? Do you want to be doing something that's a little bit more creative out of the box? What parts of your brain do you want to be using on a daily basis? And, you know, thinking, even if you're staying within the law area, thinking about, you know, what parts of what you've done in however many years you've been in the JAG Corps, what parts of that job have you really liked? Because if you really like the ethics portfolio, great. Go be an ethics counselor at, you know, or not ethics, I guess it's compliance in the real world, but you know, (laughs) go do a compliance job out in the real world. But if you're like, man, I really hated those ethics portfolios. I hated doing ethics reviews. Please don't go work as a compliance attorney. You're going to hate your job. But you know, if you're leaving the military, I think if you've been in for any amount of time, you know, there are great parts to being in the military, and there are some terrible parts to being in the military, such as less control over your life and what you're doing. If you're going to be leaving and going on your own path at this point, making sure that that path is sort of highlighting the things that are important to you and are going to give you the most happiness. Because if you're leaving the military, it's because you weren't happy in the military or because the Navy forced you out. So if you're leaving the military, then it's because you weren't happy. So you want to find something where you're happy in your job. And in America, we have this like warped value where the more you suffer in the job and the more you work and the less you sleep, the better you are at your job and the more committed you are to the job and the more successful you are at your job. But, you know, I don't want to be the person who has spent the last 20 years of my life sleeping five hours a night, having no real long-term friends, except for ones that are living halfway across the country. Like my best friends live in DC or halfway across the country. One lives in Guam now. So like they're all over the country and you know, I'd like to have a community that I'm part of locally. So figuring out what makes you happy and what you need out of your life and pursuing parts of that rather than what your success, defining your success from your job rather than defining it from who you are and how happy you are, I think is a, a problem that we have in America. And I think working on that is something that everyone leaving the military really needs to focus on is what makes them happy. How did they define success? Because success is no longer going to be defined as did you make the next rank? Exactly. And honestly, if you're in the military and that's how you're defining success, you've got problems. That is not how you, you should be defining success anyway, because you know, then when you don't make go 4 you don't make go 5 your life is crushed.
1: You know, whether you stayed a career or whether you're getting out like you did, you are part of that 1%. You have served your nation. And I just went through this with my son who went ROTC, got a, for the Navy, he he went surface warfare. And right now he's driving across country to start his new life. And it was pretty cool having a son in the Navy with you. I also have a son serving in the Army right now. But, but at the end Army of the Navy day. Army, Navy must
0: be fun in your house. Uh, <laughs>
1: But at the end of the day, it's your life. And you're right in the sense that when I didn't make 05, they said, oh, you know, don't let that define you. It's hard not to because that is the environment in which you work. But I also found that having gone through it and then finally making it, you're better able to relate to those people who did not get picked up for whatever reason to call them first and say, hey, listen, you know, I know you got passed over. I've been there. I know how you feel. I was able to do that. I was able to pay that back to some folks. And so, so you're right. I I just think your story is encouraging here because there may be others out there saying, gee, maybe this law thing is not what I want to do. And maybe I want to do something else. So it'll be interesting to keep tabs on you via LinkedIn and see how this turns out. You don't know what inspiration or what impact you could have on other people that may listen to this podcast, whether now or couple of years down the road they discover that yeah.
0: my exo I think it was my exo who sent me to your podcast and then somebody else referred me to your podcast. So listening to your podcast has been great. And I have a lot of time on the ferry every day. That's where I've been listening to it. I intend a little bit further down the line as I'm like a little bit closer and have sorted out my surgery issues that I'm going through right now. I'm planning on taking, you know, one of the cohorts with Blue Water Advisors and I learned about them through taking the podcast. So You know, you're right. Like just listening to the podcast, picking up little things about you know how to improve your LinkedIn, how to improve your resume, how to you know what classes to take, what resources there are, is has been great.
1: Well, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that people are listening. I think you've heard (laughs) me tell that this is a selfish endeavor for me to figure out what I want to do when I grow up, and it's a forcing function that forces me to talk to people to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So that if it's having an impact on you, that makes it all worth the while.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been good, and it's. It's good to know that there are people out there who have done this successfully, have and obviously everyone that you've talked to that I've listened to so far has gone into a law field of some sort or something related to the law, but even listening to maybe not their exact career path, but tips that they had towards finding jobs, et cetera, were great. And I actually have to update my entire LinkedIn profile because it's all geared towards finding a law job at this point. So, yeah,
1: well, Leslie, I wish you the best of luck.
0: Thank you. Good but luck I- to you too, on your and your transition
1: when you get there. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the JAG Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production.